What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Keep It 111. Uh, my name is Andy, and I'm, as always, joined by the other main man, Sanha. Your boy. And uh, today, today we got some, uh, we got some interesting topics. You know, we usually talk a lot about you know the games that we watch, but today we have some accolades that we wanted to talk about in the NBA. All NBA teams being released. Of course, we'll touch on a little bit with the playoffs. Um, one series that is, you know of course, hanging in the balance on a razor's edge, in my opinion, and then another series, maybe a little bit less so, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll briefly touch on both of those, and then we'll go on and talk about some soccer. The EPL season came to a close in dramatic fashion in, in what we believe to be one of the greatest seasons that we've ever um, seen, and uh, we'll, we'll be getting to all those details, and we'll uh, just yeah. talk a little bit about some European competition as uh, we're... we're uh, setting the stage for the Champions League final, as well as you know some early results from the lower tier European competitions, and then of course we're going to end the show off. You know this week we are going to talk a little bit about MLB. I think I had my vacation after um, being tilted <laughs> for a long time, and now we'll talk a little bit about uh, some drama that you may have already heard about. Uh, Probably. But let's first start off with uh, the NBA song, huh? I think the the, the biggest news that I think uh, we're all talking about tonight is. The release of the all NBA teams. Um, I guess I'll briefly go through them. It's yeah, uh, the yeah. first team we have Giannis, uh, Giannis and Tenacumpo, Jason Tatum, Nikola Jokic, Devin Booker, and Luka Doncic. And the second team we have DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, Stephen Curry, and John ja Morant. And in the third team, we have LeBron James, Pascal Siakam, Carl Anthony Towns, Chris Paul, and Trey Young. Uh, Sanha, go ahead. What do you think about? Uh, what you saw. I mean, so overall, I'm not mad. I think generally basketball folks do a pretty good job here um, in the all-NBA teams year after year, generally speaking. Um, does LeBron deserve to be on an all-NBA team? Like, he was good when he played. Like, how many games did LeBron actually play this year? Um, I actually don't know. Question. Um, I, I mean, did he have, did he have a lot of load management? To my knowledge, I think he played a decent amount. I mean, compared he to some other guys, I mean, talk, talking about you, Kyrie, like, you know, he, he played, he played 56 games. I think 56 games is like, you 56 know, games? That's not enough. 56 games is, is, is little, but no, 56 is you're close to 75% of the season, actually. Right. Okay. There's a difference. Okay. If you were over 75%, I feel better about that close to 75%. <laughs> See, you're not even playing three quarters of the season and you're an all NBA. Come on. But the thing is, is like his, his, uh, his numbers Go when on. he was playing, the, the numbers are kind of too good. Like yeah, 56 yeah, games, but yeah. he was scoring 30 a game. Like yeah, thirty a game yeah. on a full season—that's that's first team, right? And, so and it's like the the other thing is like his competition. Like, what other forwards are you gonna put up there? Kawhi was out, right? Paul George is not the same Paul George. I right? mean, your favorite player? No. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, I, I think, I think, you know. Well, I'll get to what I thought about that, but I mean, you can continue with. Uh, uh, finishing. Also, I just want to say that Jimmy Bucket should be a guard, not not a forward. Anyway, 
Anyway, um, anyway, <laughs> the I mean, okay, so the obviously the the thing that sticks out here and the thing that everyone's been talking about is how Joel Embiid is is, is NBA second team, right? And how that's a travesty because. When you think about Embiid, you think about how he's a top five player, and then therefore you would think that he would be on the first team all NBA. But because of the way that the positions are laid out on the all NBA teams, it's two forwards, two guards, one center for each level of the teams. You can only have one center on the all NBA first team. And, you know, if you look at over the course of the regular season, I don't think many people will argue that Jokic just had more output, was probably just an overall better player than Joel Embiid was in the regular season. Um, and so, I mean, so I, I understand, like, because of the way the rules are set out and why it's in the way that it's structured right now, I understand why Embiid is second team. Do I think the structure is right? No, I, <laughs> I think they need to change the layout and just be front court, back court, uh, so that this kind of nonsense doesn't happen again. But it, the way that it's laid out, I don't think the voters got it wrong necessarily. What do you think? Um, hundred percent agreed uh, with uh, the Joel Embiid situation. It's um, this isn't something new. I mean, it's always been this way. So I, I'm not sure why people are, you know, up in arms all of a sudden this year. I mean, I guess like, you know, this is probably, you know, the strongest second team center that we've seen in a long time. I can't remember a stronger second team center. I, I get that. But this is the system that we've always operated on, right? It's always has to be, you know, one center, a, 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 one center per team. And we've also had a lot of situations because of that. With, and what happens is because for quite some time now, we have been watching a league that is very talent heavy in the guards, especially, and then also to some extent with the uh, with wingmen. And so situations like, for example, Carl Anthony Towns, while I think he's a good player, I don't think he's a third team. I just you look at his season and it just doesn't pop out to me as like, wow, he's an all NBA, you know, team kind of season uh, this year. But you know, the fact of the matter is, like, you know, the, the only other person competing for that center spot being, I, I think, the only other person that got votes or other two players, I think, was Rudy Gobert and uh, Bam Adebayo. Yeah. I mean, if you had to give it to someone, okay, fine. I guess you could see Towns. But, like, that's, like, you know, on the other side of the coin is that because, like, three centers need to be given those nominations, we've also had situations where you get, like, some centers sneaking in through the back door on the third team. Um, pretty frequently, yep. I would say. Um, but Carl Anthony Towns, I would say, is probably one of the, uh, you know, like the weaker nominations for a third set, third team center that I think we've seen in a while. Yeah. But, but, but I mean, th this also happens on the flip side. So, like, I, and I think that raises what you're saying, right? The issue with, you know, it seems like the current makeup we have now does not seem to provide, I think, equity because again you know these nominations affect contract talks and so it does seem to not provide you know you know fairness you know across the board in all positions based on the fact that you know right now the dynamics of the league and you know the player and the talent makeup that we have it doesn't make sense to 
have this ratio where we're giving three of the top 15 players to centers. I know it sounds crazy to say, but it is, you know, that's just the reality that we're, uh, that we're in now. Cause um, the center is not only is it just like a changing position where centers are no longer, you know, necessarily seven, six, 11, six, 11 or seven feet tall. It's also just less talent heavy now. Um, but with your point, like, I'm actually going to throw you a bone. And I think Jimmy Butler deserved to be in the 13. <laughs> and here's the reason why. It's, it's simply because the, we haven't had a first seed in any conference have no representation in the All-NBA since. Remember that Atlanta Hawks season when they had like five All-Stars, which was like obviously like kind of a meme. Like, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. But, but that Atlanta Hawks team, that was like, you know, very balanced and so like you can see why you know jeff teague al horford um cal corver uh paul Millsap. like it was a very like evenly distributed team in terms of talent yeah there was no main guy kind of like you know manchester city you know basketball version just a very like you know <laughs> like like not super like um polarizing in terms of talent just very uh evenly spread but the fact is that team got bounced by a cleveland Cavs that had newly acquired lebron james yeah they were just promptly dispatched in the conference finals 4-0 right? they got wrecked and 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 we had we had a feeling you know leading up to that that conference finals. i remember right we because we were following that I think it was like you know, our first or second year of college, right? And I think yeah. we were definitely like we were we were much more passionate about basketball back then, for sure. Um, and we we could smell it coming from a mile away, right? That they were pretenders. Of course, they were a regular season team, but and so I I look at the Miami Heat team now, and I have to say I don't see like a similar situation in terms of talent breadth. I'm gonna give Jimmy Butler a little bit more credit. I think he stands out more than anybody on that Atlanta Hawks team did. He stands out more on this team now as a leader and like the you're the main man. Um, you could argue that like I really find it hard to make an argument for that Hawks team. There was a standout man, and so I think for that reason, like you know, based on his history, we we usually see a first seed team have some kind of representation, right? And I think Jimmy Butler, he was borderline too. He got a lot of thirteen votes. Um, so I think I think he's a snub in my opinion. I don't know who I put him in over. Maybe it's Siakam. Maybe it's LeBron. Probably Siakam in my opinion, um, because LeBron's stats were just too good when he was playing. Listen, listen. We know how much I love Jimmy. All right, I love Jimmy. I love postseason Jimmy. Okay, <laughs> I love I love. No, no, no. I. I well, I think I think if he had postseason numbers in the regular season, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Well, obviously, Absolutely not. yeah, he, he but, would he would already but, be. But like yeah. his his regular season numbers were not bad. They he were, was putting up over twenty points per game. Yeah, and he, he was doing it on like near fifty percent shooting. Like you know, he's never been a three point shooter. You know, we know like you know like what he contributes on the defensive end. I think it's it's borderline, but I think he deserves it, and he should get an extra bump based on the fact that his team was the first seed. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, I just feel like he was mad during the 
during the regular season. Like, I don't know. To me, if you're going to be an all-NBA player, he, I think his stats were like 21-5-5 and five or something like that. That just doesn't do it for me. Like, I mean, is Pascal Siakam 23 points on like below 50% shooting? I mean, does that inspire any confidence no, it of doesn't. a third like, it a really doesn't. player? But, but okay. That, yeah, that, that, this is my point. This, this is, is what I'm going to say, though. This, this is what I will say, though. It, you know, we, we want to make this argument here that like like other people may deserve, deserve to be on the list because of like the three centers and all this stuff. But if you really look at the list this season, this season is weird because. Hmm, there are a lot of players who maybe should have been all NBA players that, you know, couldn't be because of injuries, because of not playing, etc. Right? Like notable exclusions are Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, maybe even like Paul George is still a star. Like these Bradley players, Beal. Bradley Beal, yeah. So like there are wait, where's Bradley Beal just had a bad season, dude. I I, I mean, yeah, I, no, no, that's true. Think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Damian Lillard, like, there are, right, there are a lot of superstars missing from this list because of various reasons this season. Um, and, and rightfully so, like, they didn't, they don't deserve to be on the list. Um, but, like, at the beginning of the season, you would have expected them to be, you know, strong contenders for it. But because so many of those names are missing, this year it feels like the 15 names that are on the list are for the most part deserving if you think about which 15 players this season actually deserve to be on the list. Because realistically, who are you missing from this? Other than, like, we already, met, we already mentioned Jimmy. Like, Mikal Bridges? Um, nah, yeah, exactly. I don't think it's exactly. Enough. But that, yeah. that's what I'm no, saying. no, I, I, I think it's up. overall. Yeah, yeah. I, I think overall it, it's a good list. I, I like my gripe with Jimmy Butler is nothing too heated either. It's it's. I, I, if anything, it's it's it's. I'm not gonna say it's cosmetic because I do think he has a case over like someone like Pascal Siakam. But it's. I think yeah. For the most part, my opinion is that it's it's a it's a fair list. I think. Yeah, I think I think it's pretty. Fair. I think I think it's pretty. Fair. Um. I'm really, um, I'm really just trying to we, think who but, else. Yeah, there's no one else. Uh, but you mentioned Kyrie, who, of course, you know, didn't make it to the to any of these teams, and you know, it, it's pretty clear why, right? He only had twenty something games played. <laughs> he should not. Yeah. Interestingly enough, interestingly enough, I believe he got one thirteen vote, and that guy, whoever it, voted for Kyrie, he's a flat earther for oh, sure. Uh, Sadha, Sadha, we know. Jalen Rose <laughs> doxed himself on ESPN, and Stephen A. went off on it. Wait, did and he, so wait, he's, he's, did he say he was trolling, or was it a legit vote? Well, no, he, he, he said, he said he voted for him, and he admitted that it was the wrong decision, but <laughs> he tried to explain himself. And all I can think was, Jalen Rose needs to stay off the weed. <laughs> that is, that's, that's ridiculous. Like, 20-something games, like, LeBron James' 56 games is already borderline. And if it weren't for the fact that he wasn't putting up 30-plus a game, he, he doesn't get it. it. Yeah. Like, it was such an exceptionally, I mean, LeBron James, of course. I mean, LeBron is LeBron. Like, it was a LeBron James 
stat-filling season, just 56. But even that, 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 you know, that asterisk of 56 games boots him down from maybe first team right all the way down to three. Yeah, there is no reason that Kyrie, unless he was putting up 50 games, 50 points per game, 20-something games. I don't even care if he was pitting up 50 <laughs> points a game for 20 games. You can't play fucking 20 games in an 82-game season and be like, I'm going to make the all-NBA team. No, 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 no. That, that, that's not Yeah, no. It, yeah, but I, I, I think, yeah. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, you, you, Sana, you like to give these, you know, broadcasters a little bit of credit. No. for You know, you say they always do a good job, but there's always one... You know, there's always one odd man out, like, uh, putting up weird decisions like this. And Jesus that's when you're thankful Christ. that there's a hundred of them, right? Jesus yeah. Christ. You know, okay, so I, let me shout out a few boys who didn't make the list and didn't get any votes. Zach Levine out of Chicago. This boy averaged 24.4 points a game this season. That ain't bad. Yet, he was averaging four and a half assists and 4.6 rebounds. You know, just numbers-wise, that's just as good, if not better, than, than Jimmy Buckets. Well, I think for him is that he, he has DeMar DeRozan probably cannibalizing some of his votes. Yeah, right. Exactly, exactly. But he's a really good player. Like, he shot 39% from three. He shot 48% overall. I, I don't yeah, see... Yeah, no, I think... I, I don't see why he didn't get a single mind, vote. In my mind, he's not just a dunker, yeah. Yeah, and... He's plays. He's characterized her as, as a small forward. So and and the the forward position was was pretty light this year. So I, he should have gotten some a little something something. Um, and then two other players here: De'Aaron Fox, obviously, uh, point guard for for the Kings. I mean, we we know that De'Aaron Fox is really good, and and obviously he's not going to get any love until his team you know does something because his team hasn't done anything ever. Um, so until, until they do something, he's not gonna, he's not gonna get the accolades, but I, I feel like he still deserves some credit. I mean, on a really bad team, he's still putting up numbers every, every single season. So like, and then finally, I'm surprised with those numbers. He has never been an all-star. I'm yeah. Surprised. Yeah. Well, it's because I mean, his team he's sucks. knocking on the door. He's gotta be. It's because his team sucks and because he plays in a small market. But the thing is, like, if his team sucks and he had to carry the load, you wouldn't see a point guard like him, the way he plays, shooting 47%. You would see him shooting a lot lower than yeah, that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, but th that's why I'm saying. I think, I think, yeah. It's because he's playing in yeah. Sacramento. It's because all the fans are either Lakers fans, Clippers fans, or Golden State fans. There are no Sacramento Kings fans, let me tell you. I've never met. Wait, have I? I don't think I've ever met in my life a Sacramento Kings. Have you? Yeah, dude. Yeah, you've never met um, them, right? They don't exist. I mean, it, say, it says a lot, Zonha, that you know a Wizards fan, but you do not know a Sacramento yeah, Kings exactly, fan. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. I mean, it that, says a that, lot. That says a lot about the, about the franchise. Um, anyway, so last guy here I want to call out, Darius Garland, point guard for, for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah. Another prime example of small market... Shitty team, but man, 21, 22 points a game, 8.6 assists. That, on a bad team? How are, you getting, how are you getting nine assists a game on a bad team? Who's on your team that you're dishing out assists to? Like, I have no idea. Washed Kevin Love? 
Okay. I'm sure Kevin Love can still sh- take an open shot. Are you sure? <laughs> Kevin Love has Karis 13 Levert? points a game. Karis Levert? <laughs> Kevin Love for being a power forward shot 43%. Oh my god. Anyway. Yeah, that, 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 this, this team roster is absolutely... Yeah, so yeah. how the fuck is he getting 9 and 6? Is he like some wizard? Has to be. He has to I be. wish he was a wizard. Yeah. <laughs> I wish he was. He's a magician. Well, no, that that would put him on the Orlando Magic. Wait a minute. He's a. Okay, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, he deserves some credit. Like Darius Garland no, has been good talent. too. He he has been good. It's not just this season. Um. So, yep. in any case, I just I just wanted to give them some shout outs there. Um. A couple other things, notable things to to remark about this All NBA first team, first time since what is it, fifty four, fifty five, that the NBA first team, they're all twenty seven years or younger. First time in over fifty years since, since fifty four or fifty five. So it's been seventy years, really. It's almost been seventy years since that's happened. That's an encouraging sign, dude. It's it's an encouraging sign. sign. You know, there's there's a lot of young talent in the NBA, and hopefully, it stays for years to come. Um. So I I think I think that's the first thing. Um, the second thing, uh, going back to Embiid here. So there have only been two instances where the second place um, MVP vote getter for a season. Has not made the first team. The first instance was Joel Embiid. The second instance was also Joel Embiid. <laughs> Isn't that so sad? Jokic is too good. Yeah, Jokic is too good. I mean, Embiid just got cucked because he doesn't pass as much as Jokic. <laughs> oh my god. That is so true, honestly. Like, they're like they're both so good. Yeah. Sometimes, like, okay, uh, like at least this season, objectively, I think it's it's very tough to make a case that Jokic was not better. Yeah, yeah. Jokic yeah. was better. Jokic was. But you know, like I-, I would say for a while though, to me, they seem like a stylistic difference. For sure. It's almost sure. like a preference. For sure. Right. And, and to like me, this is this is the. Even now, they're like a preference to me, honestly. Like if I really sit yeah, down, like, yeah. Yeah, like uh, it'll uh, it'll probably go to next season, and I'm like thinking, you know, is Embiid healthy? If Embiid's healthy, you know, I could see him being better. Yeah, yeah. or I can see him being just as good, right? Yeah. So it's a hundred percent, hundred percent. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah that, that's how I feel. Um, finally, finally. So up until this season, there have been four total players ever in the history of the NBA to be All NBA First Team. Four years in a row, or three years in a row, unanimously. LeBron James, James Harden, and Michael Jordan himself. And then Giannis. This year, Giannis breaks the record by becoming the only player ever in the history of the NBA to be unanimous first team four consecutive years. Not even MJ did that. That that's impressive. Like, 
break break it uh breaking an achievements record that Michael Jordan doesn't even have. Like that that's pretty fucking impressive. And he's well, I'll, I'll well well I'm guessing that the Michael Jordan thing was basically only prevented because he took a year off, right? I think so because he went three three, right? He went three. Oh yeah, come on! He would have gotten seven straight. He would have gotten seven straight. Let's be real. Yeah, he probably would have. He probably would have. He probably would have, but he didn't. And Giannis has the record, so it's Giannis's record now. And and, okay, here's the here's the other thing though. Here's the other thing. What if Giannis goes six years in a row, which he could conceivably. He just needs two more years, and he goes six in a row. I could see it happening. Like, because like he plays in a he plays in a position where LeBron James. I don't I don't see LeBron James challenging him because they're the same position. So who are the other candidates? Right, Jason Tatum. I don't ever see Jason Tatum getting to that level mm-hmm. or like eclipsing it. Kevin Durant. Got a lot of question marks too. So there is, there isn't. It's not like a Jokic, like Embiid case where like the competition is super stiff. I feel like Giannis is comfortably ahead of the competition for the near future. So I can see it happening, dude. I think so. The only thing that's stopping it really is a major injury. Right. Basically. Exactly. And then like, so then there's the thing. Um, like, where does if he does that? How, how much does he like kind of catapult in like the all time rankings? Like, where does where do we put this guy in 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 the all time rankings of NBA players? Because his dominance is, you know, it, it, it's even like if he does six years, that's I would argue he's more dominant. Oh man, it's hard to say. But you, he definitely has a case to make for most dominant big man. Well, man, it, it's really hard to say. Like, it's really hard to put him up against the longevity of Bill Russell, of Will Chamberlain. Like, Will Chamberlain just numbers. Um, Kareem even felt like he had uh, some level of longevity yeah we've had some really good big men um yeah i i with with Giannis, because here's the thing is that like i don't really know how how like people how often like you know the the unanimous all nba first team achievement is cited in these conversations yeah not that much i'm not like yeah i'm not belittling like your point but it is something like you know at the end of the day it's superficial as hell, but people are only going to talk about rings, MVPs, you know, very, and, and, you know, and, surface level and stuff. And how you feel about the player when you think about the player, right? Because that, that, that's, where, that's, exactly, where yeah. that's where I was struggling, putting him up against, like, against Bill Russell, even. Like, do I feel like Giannis, even if he went six unanimous in a row, do I feel like that compares really to Bill Russell? Maybe, maybe not, like, though. And I think Giannis, I think it's, it's going to be hard to tell, especially, like, 
it's one of those things that like time is going to have to pass a lot because I will say that the big man's role today, it's almost kind of unfair. Like we expect a lot out of a big man nowadays. Yeah. We expect him to shoot. We expect him to still be able to have some dominance in the post if needed. Like, like the shooting part, especially, you know, we wouldn't have said like, you know, oh, Bill Russell can't shoot a three. What the hell get out of here. Bro. <laughs> right. Yeah. But with Giannis, we talk about it all the time that like he doesn't have an outside shot and that's a limitation for him. Yeah. And that kind of narrative. And if we keep, you know, reinforcing in our heads that that is a shortcoming of his game that stops him from becoming like, you know, a top five player all time, you know, that's kind of going to be like debilitating for his case. And that's why I think, you know, it's going to take a long time, perhaps even like, you know, a decade or more after his retirement for us to maybe look back on it a little bit more objectively, not in the lens of what we're looking at it now, which is kind of unfair of a standard to measure him to. I feel like it's going to be, yeah, I I think it's really going to be narrative driven. Because it's going to go, I can see it going one of two ways. So either we're going to look back and say, okay, in an era of three-pointers, dominant three-point shooters, outside shooters, um, in an era of high-scoring games, Giannis was still able to dominate every single game, every single season, every single playoff, despite not having an outside shot. It could go that way, or it could go the other way of, in that era, Giannis was unable to develop that part of his game and therefore become an all-around great player during his era, right? Because if you think about the other centers that I mentioned, like Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, uh, Shaquille O'Neal, um, they're all up there. If you think back to their era, like the era that they were in, we think about them being so great because not only were they so, like, dominant and good at what they did but they also like they were so dominant that they shaped the and morphed the the era around them like the style of basketball that was being played was their brand of basketball and they were the best at it and and that's why we like hold them to such high regard because because they were like they morphed the game like the game morphed around them but you don't really see that with Giannis here. Giannis is like the the outside. He's the outlier in, in today's NBA where everyone else, even the other big men, Jokic, even Embiid, they have shot. Like Embiid has a good mid-range shot. Jokic is a good three-point shooter. Like even the big men have a, a good shot, like shooting um, efficiency. Everyone except Giannis. And so it is going to be kind of this weird... How does he fit in there? How does he fit into the overall narrative of this era of the NBA? And then how are people going to evaluate that? Because it's different. It's different from how other past dominant big men have were seen or perceived during their era of play. Yeah, and I think a lot of that, you know, whether he was, you know, uh, he was just a player, you know, countercurrent to the times or whether or not he was genuinely, you know, a force, a unique kind of player might honestly come down to the superficial stat of the rings. Yeah. Um, because like it, it'll come like whether or not like 
his way of playing was the right way is going to be determined on did he, he find success in that way, which is measured through rings, unfortunately. Yep. Yep. And the good thing is, is that he's already got one. Yeah, he's got one <laughs> at least, yeah. And, and the thing is, is like I count his ring at Milwaukee almost like two rings with a team like the Lakers. Small market, like, you know, uh, championships, I give bonus to. And so if he gets, like, if he stays in Milwaukee and gets, like, three rings, oh, like, that, like, completely flips a narrative, in my opinion, right? I mean, that to get it done is another question. And which brings me to my question to you is, like, what if you're Giannis, what do you do? Do you build your career in Milwaukee or, like, try to, you know, like you know, try to strike goal two more times or maybe just one more time will be enough for her. Like, I don't know how he thinks. He probably wants to win as many times, obviously. But do you try to stay in, in a franchise like Milwaukee where you're not going to have as much upward mobility through free agency and things like that and try to scrape, you know, two rings and like get like three rings, but like very, very strong, you know, um, like very shiny rings? Or are you going to, you know, go to a bigger market team where of course you know you might get a lot more like you know endorsements and you know you probably get more money, but you know the rings that you win there might not hold as much weight as winning something in a, a small town like Milwaukee. So I think I think Kevin Durant is is a great example of why I'm going to advise Giannis go in the way that I advise him because. Durant has the opportunity, had his opportunity to do what Giannis is doing, right, in OKC. And he failed. He failed, and then he decided then, okay, I can't do this alone. And he decided to join a 73-win team um, and cruise his way to the finals and a ring, really, um, with the likes of three other Hall of Famers on his team. So, and... And if you ask anyone, yeah, he got a ring, but it's it's like a third of the ring that Giannis won last year. Like if we if we were to compare ring to ring, um, and 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 also it also kind of to me at least, um, especially after this failure or this season's failure in Brooklyn, um, Kevin Durant has. I I think it's too late for him. I think it's too late for him to solidify himself as a top 10 player like in history i think it's too late i think i think i think it's done i think he can peak at like top 20 maybe but he he needs to probably win another ring to be in the top like solidify himself as a top 20 player of all time and and if he doesn't he might not even do that despite the level of talent that he has um and so with that in mind with that in mind if i were Giannis. I would stick in I would stay in Milwaukee and try to build and win more there for two reasons. So number one, if you do move and if you try to like form some sort of super team or whatever, um yeah, your your rings are gonna be discounted. Like they're they're just not gonna be the same. They're not gonna be the same quality of the first ring that you won. Um so that's the first thing. Uh the second thing is that. If you are already, like, you have to create a really, really strong narrative for yourself if you're going to be seen as a Mount Rushmore type of NBA player in, in the history of the NBA. And, and one way that you can strengthen your narrative here is to say, not only was I counter 
to the to the to the era in terms of my style of play, but I was also counter to the era in that I chose to stay in a small market and build my team instead of going somewhere else and creating a super team, which is what this era is also known for, right? It's known for three-point shots and for the creation of super teams. Um, that's what this era is, is kind of defined by. So if, if Giannis then decides to go opposite of that and decides to stay in his team, build it from there, then it's like he kind of doubles down on this narrative of, you know, everyone was going one way and I went the other way and I still succeeded, right? And and that in that if he succeeds in doing that, he can re really create this super powerful narrative that can give him the case for being a top ten, top five player of all time in the NBA. That's my opinion. No, I I I hundred percent agree. And the thing is, is I'm not gonna. I'm not going to blame Kevin Durant too much. I mean, I think, you know... I do. <laughs> and, and, well, <clears throat> I think the more, you know, after he retires, I think we're going to look back on it a little bit less critically. Mm -hmm. I think, naturally, you know, your your opinions are going to, like, mellow out. Mm -hmm. um, you know, both good and bad about, you know, most players in general. Right, um, right. You know, that's just naturally what happens, right? But the thing is, is, right, Giannis is in a much different situation already having won a chip. He, it's almost like he's playing with house money. Um, even if he were to just finish his career just being like a stat monster, you know, getting into all NBA first team, winning an MVP here or there, which I think is super realistic. Yep. Um, he still finishes, I think, you know, he still has a shot to be a top 20 player. Um, that's how strong this ring in Milwaukee is. I mean, this is this is a Dirk with the Mavs ring. This is like a it's like a Kyle Lowry with the Raptors ring. Right <laughs> but, uh, but but <laughs> well, well, my point is that it's it, 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 it's yes, it's, yes. it's a ring for a franchise that doesn't come by rings very often, and also happens to be a small market team. Yes. So it's he's already playing with house money, and if he's going to get to a top five potential which i i actually do see him as like you know best case scenario he is a top five player um of course a lot of things happen like have to fall in place like i think he needs to have like three rings probably with the bucks um and so again a lot of things have to fall in place but if 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 there is to be that ceiling at all it has to be done at milwaukee um it just it just feels right um if he were to you know, go around and, you know, be like a, like you said, like a, like a super team, you know, ring merchant. I mean, maybe he gets to the top 10, but it's like hard to make a case for somebody like that to be in a top five, right? A ring uh, Even LeBron James, even LeBron James, I mean, he's obviously top five, but a big part of like where he's get, he's, he's got that street cred over the years was going back to Cleveland and coming back from three, one, you know, like that that game uh, that that game seven uh, block you know in the final minutes you know that those moments are what like gave him the street cred to like solidify people's minds this guy is like you know like number two all time right and so mind you mind you lebron was lucky lebron was lucky that a 73 win golden state team existed because right right because if that team did not exist he would not have the same credit because really he went back to cleveland but he just built another super team in Cleveland, right? Like, th that's just what he did. So he's lucky that that Golden State team existed. 
Um, otherwise, it, I think the narrative would be would be a little different. Yeah, I think like you know, what's the bigger narrative? Is it the fact that there was seventy three win team, or is it the fact that they were down three one? Like it's a lot of things fell into place for him, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, but at the same time, like you know, not to discount like the superhuman like effort that no, no, it took from him uh, to like, make it happen in right? that series. Yeah, yes. absolutely. No, no, yeah. not just that yeah. series. That entire season, the way that he masterfully coached the team to become what it was—a team that had no like, if they, if that team did not have LeBron, not just the player, Della Vadova. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Vadova. If if they didn't. Have LeBron, the player, and the basketball mind. Like, if they didn't have the combination of both of those things, there's no way in hell that they are a championship caliber team, much less a conference final team. Um, but man, LeBron really. I think I think we're going to remember LeBron. Like, it's it's too it's too early, obviously, to be already doing kind of a. I don't, how are we going to remember LeBron? What's his legacy? But um, I think how we remember LeBron is going to be a little different and than how we remember Michael because MJ was just undisputed, undisputed basketball greatness in terms of he just had game. Like, he was the epitome of game. LeBron is a little different because because he's so like he's such a thinker of the game. He is not it, he's a very cerebral cerebral player. And and I, I think that's also kind of how he wants to be remembered too. Um I don't because I think he he recognized and realized at a certain point that it's not going to be enough just from his basketball play to overcome Jordan because he, he just was never going to beat Jordan, to be frank. He was never going to shoot as well as Jordan. He was, he was never going to play the same basketball to a higher level than Michael Jordan played it. He was just never going to do that. So, so I think he, he consciously... And have the charisma, right? Yeah. The, the charisma of a Jordan. Yes, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. He wasn't that guy. He wasn't the trash talker. Like he, he didn't have this same like level of intensity, if you will. Um, so, or at least not the same type of intensity. Um, so, I think he made the conscious decision to kind of do this like half Jordan, half Magic sort of sort of deal, where yeah, he can be dominant like in scoring the ball and all this stuff, but he's also a very like. He's he's a basketball genius. He really is. He's he's like the way that he understands the game of basketball is at another level and beyond probably any player in the NBA currently and for the past, you know, however many years. And and to me, winning with that Cleveland team was was that in action. Was him showing us that not only can he play the game of basketball at a very high level, like physically, but that he is so mentally, like at a high level in terms of understanding of the game of basketball, that he can coach his team to to become to like 
to elevate to a level where Yuki can bring a ring home despite having much, much less talent than the team on the other side. Yeah, no, I think that was, that is the career defined. That is, that is peak LeBron, I think, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it's what I'm going to remember him for. Honestly, after that happened, it almost feels like Miami, his like Miami, like, you know, escapades, like it feels like a distant memory, doesn't it? Like, it's like, that is like the, it's the clearest memory and the, the, and the most vivid details that you remember about his career are especially from that season and that playoff run. That was, is this this block, is this block right Right. there? Yeah. Never forget. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck my James. Fuck my James. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. oh, it was just so yeah, hype. Yeah, no, it's oh, super hype. Man. Um, um, wait, I swear there's one other thing that I was going to mention. Oh, oh, okay. Revisiting the point that everyone on the first team is 27 years or younger. Um, this has not happened again for 70 years almost. I, I wanted to kind of think about like why that is and, and why that's changed because I think if you look at the list here, injuries have plagued the other players over the age of 27 who could have conceivably been first, um, first team in All-NBA. Like look at Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, LeBron James, like all of these players, Kawhi Leonard. Paul George, all these players over the age of 27 who could, you know, they have the, the, the talent to be first team players. And yet, because all of them, because they were riddled with injury, with wear and tear throughout the seasons, uh, you know, they just didn't put up the same kind of quality performances that these younger players were able to do this season. And... It's interesting because everyone says that the NBA that we play in, like in, in today's era, is a much less physical and, and softer kind of game than it was in the 80s, the 90s, um, which is true. Like if you watch those 80s, 90s games, like people are literally like decking each other and like tackling each other on the, on the court. Um, it's pretty nasty out there. And despite that, somehow, despite that, we're, we are somehow in the NBA where all of our older stars are just like injury ridden. And it's like, if they play over 50 games a season, it's like, it's like claps for you if you make all NBA 13 because you played over 50 games. Um, like, how did it come to this? Like, are players just not taking care of themselves as well? Are the schedules like too intense for road games? Like, what has changed? Because it seems like it should be less if the game is less physical. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, don't have a, I don't have a good explanation. Yeah, I don't either. I, I think the only thing that could come to mind possibly is the fact that it is a more offense-driven game with more possessions. And so fitness requirement may be higher. Um, I can see that. Because there's more running. Um, and fatigue... I mean, we don't have to go back very far. We can look at that college basketball, the NCAA championship game, um, where we saw injuries, you know, manifest themselves, you know, or, or fatigue manifest itself very clearly in the form of injuries in the final game, right, for UNC. Yep. And so 
you know, we, we very well know what fatigue can do. And it's just a matter of is there is fatigue a bigger factor now? And I don't see what's changed schedule wise. The only thing that I can see is yeah. the nature of the game being played with more possessions, um, which involves. But then, like, it, it seems a little bit ridiculous, right? If, if you're a professional team, if you're a head coach, this is this is exactly the kind of analytics that you should know. Like, it, like in soccer, for example, you keep track of how many miles a, pl- a, a player has run. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm sure they have these analytics available, and so in that sense, you just you can just adjust the minutes played per game to manage that. So yeah. that doesn't seem like a satisfactory reason to explain injuries. And if if the, if that is such a thing, that's just a major oversight by the coaching staff. Um. So I don't really know, man. I think I think I think I like that theory that um that maybe the 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 minutes played per game have stayed pretty steady, but the number of possessions have 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 risen pretty drastically, and that can pull a total put a toll on your body. Not only are you handling the ball, you know, more times a game despite playing the same number of minutes, but you're also defending, right? You're defending right. that many more possessions a game, and that can put a lot of wear on your knees, on your feet, uh, on your back, even. So, it, maybe there's something to that. Maybe, maybe it is the possession thing where where they're just playing a lot more possessions per minute than than they were before. Right, and it's like, well, I I just said that it was like if if that is the case, then it seems like a major oversight, right, from the coaching staff. But at the same time, like it it's not easy to just you know, trot out your best five players for 28 minutes per exactly, game, right? Exactly. And just get absolutely dunked on. So, like, is this game just tur- is the is the game today just turning into like a war of attrition almost? It is. Or almost. you just like you're you're just put you're just putting your guys out there until they can't run anymore. I mean, that's um. I mean, that's you know, really. This great. is the. I mean. Oh, go ahead. This is where you need to think about load management. Maybe not just like resting players for the game, but like for God's sakes, maybe play them like 29 minutes per game, right? I don't know. And, and really, that's a good segue to the playoffs because that's kind of what we're seeing in the Eastern Conference Finals. It's, it's a war of attrition right now because both teams are battling injuries and they're trying to manage minutes um, like if you if you watch the the last game of the Miami Boston series, um, Butler, Bam, Lowry, like they didn't play the fourth quarter because they they knew like the game was pretty much out of reach, and so yeah. and Spolstra was like, oh, like there's no reason for for y'all to, y'all to keep playing because again, it, it really is it has kind of turned into a war of attrition of who can stay healthier, right? How many more minutes can your stars play versus their stars? Um, it, that's kind of the, the battle and the balance that, that coaches need to strike in these playoffs in order to, in order to go deep. Um, and that's exactly what we're seeing play out in this Miami-Boston series. And I have a feeling that it's going to be the team that can stay healthier that ultimately ends up going to the finals. Right, and it seems like a hard thing to foresee at the moment, right? Yep. Um, who's going to be healthier? Um, Heat played without... Cal Lowry for most of the playoffs until uh, game three, I believe. And then um, they did not have Tyler Hero playing uh, the other night. I'm not sure what their lineup looks like today. I'm not sure if Tyler Hero is back. Hero is not Um, back. Hero is out. And then... um, Is Marcus Smart out still? No, Williams and Smart are back in. Um, Okay. So it's going to be a tough game for the Heat to win here. Although it looks like it's a one-point game right now. Boston leading. 
uh, nine minutes left in the third. Um, the other thing to mention here is yeah. that is that Jimmy did not look right um, in in game four. Like after his knee injury, after he went out with that knee injury in game three, uh, in game four he did not look right. He missed a lot of shots that he he hadn't missed before. Um, he didn't look as aggressive when when attacking with the ball in his hands. Uh, it, it he just didn't look the same, and I'm I'm very concerned that that knee injury is it might be the death of the team because they need they need Jimmy to be scoring you know the thirty points that he's been scoring. Um, otherwise, it, it's gonna be a, a long uphill battle. Yeah, um, it certainly didn't help that you know everybody else was absolutely useless. Bam was useless. Cal Lowry was useless. Oladipo was their best player in the first half. I mean, if Oladipo, yeah. um, if if 2022 Oladipo is your best player <laughs> for the first half, like Jesus you're in trouble. Christ. <laughs> yeah, a guy a guy who can never like you know string together five games in a row. If, if he's your uh, main man for a, a half of the game, Oladipo, I mean, you're, you're not going to be surprised. Oladipo is really weird. It's not even like game to game. It's like within the game. It's like he's like he's like vintage Oladipo for about like five minutes and then the next five yeah. minutes he's like back to crappy Oladipo it's like what's going on like who are you Jekyll and Hyde like what's going on yeah no he's such an interesting player I mean like and it's also like the his whole season too like he's playing one game and then he's playing he's not playing the next like yeah, he's just I, I super wild card individual I don't um, understand yeah, that man. I don't understand what's happening um but yeah, I, I think I think the the injuries are really going to define the series here, um, and I don't know. It could we could really go either way. If I, that's how I feel right now. I, I mean, if your theory about Jimmy is accurate, I mean, I don't see. Yes, if if Jimmy I mean that, that, that cover, that's the nail in the coffin, right? Honestly, because it really is. Yeah, the the Celtics. I mean, even right now, I would say, okay, like right now, right now, I mean, so, uh, Williams and Smart are back in the lineup, but I'm sure they're not 100%. Um, it's, it looks a little bit, you know, upper hand, Boston, from the injury standpoint, but, you know, subject to change because it feels like every game, somebody is going to come down with an injury. But- and it's like, you know, it's... Are they going to be playing the next one? That's the real question. I mean, it could be Horford tonight. It could be Smart again. I mean, who knows? Let me let me tell you this though. The reason why I don't I don't count Miami out yet, even with the Jimmy Butler injury, is that right now it's a one point game. It's a one point game. Kyle Lowry has not made a shot from six shots, and Max Struess has also not made a shot out of sixteen shots. And it's still, well, now it's a two-point game. It's a two-point game. It's a one-possession game, despite the fact that two of your starters have gone 0 for 22. This Miami Heat team, they're fighters. Like, I, I don't know any other team in the NBA where two of their starters, oh, he, Kyle Lowry just missed another shot, where two of their starters would go 0 for 23 to start the game, and they would be within one possession. Like, I, I don't know what other team would, would be able to do that. 
Yeah, like, I, 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 well, like, the thing is, like, at least for this game, I didn't expect them to come off flat-footed. I mean, Spolstra's not going to let that happen. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Like, I, I just knew, like, you know, no matter, like, you know, what the individual performances look like, I knew this game was going to be a lot closer. Might even be an L for the Celtics. Um, because, like, like, the game four was, like, just... Like it was so bad. I mean, like, who do you think this is? You think this is the Phoenix Suns? Like, it was crushing. Like, it was crushing. Right? It really was crushing. Yeah. But but yeah. Over twenty three from your starters. That is pretty bad. But like Kyle Lowry has been really bad. He's, he's been, been really, really bad. bad. He's been really bad. He he's been. I don't. I don't even know if I would play him as many minutes as they're playing him. I mean, like, I, I I said that like you know Kyle Lowry needs to come back. They're gonna have a chance, but. This is not the version of Cal. No, this, this is not the Lowry that they need. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I would rather just play Gabe Vincent over him at this point. Cause... I mean, if he's going to clean, I mean, like, you, you, he's such a good three point shooter at baseline. Like, you have to, like, hope that he hits, like, he um, starts getting hot. Yeah. Like, I mean, but you, he's, you, you he's, he's 0 for 7 right now. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. That's rough. Dude, um, Struce though? Struce is fucking 0 for 16. Jesus fucking Christ. Why is he. I don't it, know. It, it, like, is he just getting all these open looks? Like, like I don't know. I'm not, what? I'm not watching the game. Who so does I he think he tell? is putting up sixty? Oh, wait, he's 16. put he put, up, he put up sixteen shots in the first half. Seriously? Yeah. Well, almost. That's insane. Yeah. No, this guy Why? is insane. I don't know. This guy's fucking insane. I, I, I mean, I, I, I obviously haven't watched the game. Maybe, maybe he got a lot of open looks. Maybe the game plan was to let him shoot. I don't know. Oh, there's no way he should 16. be taking 16. Oh, for 16. Jesus fucking And even Christ. I can shoot. Even, even I can shoot over 16. Like, the thing is, right Jeez. now, okay, <laughs> they're, they're down by three. Jimmy has been shooting two for 10. Um, I mean, Struess and Lowry. Oh, Lowry is now 0 for 9. Oh. Um, Oladipo is 1 for 4. Like,. And there's it's still a one point game. What the fuck is happening? How is this possible? Somebody explain. Lots of foul. Uh, are are they in the bonus? They might be in the bonus. Yeah. I mean, maybe they're in the bonus, but they don't. They have six free throws. Well, okay. I, I just saw a tweet saying Heat's offense basically turning into Struess pick and roll. It's not ideal. <laughs> that was- <laughs> That's not <hilarious. laughs> How one point? How? <laughs> But this is what I'm saying. Probably, like, I don't probably know. Probably because was... Jason Tatum is absolutely crapping the bed. I, I, let, let's move on. Let's, move, let's on move on. Okay. Yeah, to the. Okay. Like, uh, what's what's going on with the. I mean, do we have to say anything about the Mass Warriors? No, it's, I mean, it's a gentleman's last night was. All... It's, it's a gentleman's suite. It's a gentleman's suite. Last time was obviously like, you know, you know, Coach Kerr was having a really rough, you know, night, um, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was. And, he was. And um, I'm sure, like, you know, uh, his team was especially hit harder. I'm sure. I mean, he he has a lot of, you know, uh, you know, family trauma, yep. family related trauma, as well. So I'm sure, like his team was just not, you know, in the right mindset. I'm sure, um, they'll come back and, you know. Yeah, I, I think, think so. I mean, the, the other thing is that 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 Doncic just performs under pressure. Like, I will not be surprised if has he already been? He's never been swept before, right? I would be surprised. I would I would not be surprised if Luka Doncic never gets swept ever in his career because that's just the kind of player that this guy is. Like, okay, well, ha- has he not been swept yet before? I mean, I'm gonna have to check that later. I mean, but, I'll check. I'll check. Because I mean, 
I mean, he's been on some bad teams. Some of his, yeah, some of those teams have really been, you know, like really bad. No business. No business in the playoffs. I mean, they had to give it to somebody, so they got a seed. Yeah, uh, his first series they went to six. Second series he went to seven. Uh, he wasn't swept here. He wasn't swept here. He's never been swept before. Yeah, yeah, he's never been swept. I could see that. Yeah, he he's 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 one of those players, right? Like yeah. a like like a top tier level of player in the league. That like any given series, he's the kind of player that will definitely win you one game by himself. Yeah, he can pull right? out so, a game from his hat against yeah. any right. team. Monster. Right. Yeah, you, you you give him you give him four four games and he'll at least win one of those, right? Yeah, yeah that's what you yeah. think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um let's move on to soccer, man. Yeah, let's uh let's talk first about you know EPL. And we first have to of course talk about the title race, right? Apple. Aston Villa put up a near, oh my a, a very big scare, right? You know, going up two nothing, and I, and the thing is, like, you know, even when they went up two nothing, I kind of like knew deep down this game is not even close to over, not even close to over, and but I didn't see coming. The main man to win it for City happens to be one of the guys I believe is leaving this season, uh, this summer, Ilkay Gundogan. Right, uh, he scores Sub. not only the second but the third. Substitute got to right. Yes, and uh, I mean, I, I'll never forget the season that he had last year. He was unbelievable. I mean, this season hasn't been quite up to that, but I mean, nobody would have expected a repeat of what he did last season. Yeah, yeah. Um, but honestly, what a dramatic ending! And of course, Pep was. So dramatic at the end there. Um, so emotional. And Liverpool, they gave them their run for their money, right? And they did what they was, needed to do. It wasn't, it, yeah, it wasn't enough in the end. Um, I mean, yeah, okay. what, a, what a finish. What a finish to the season. I, okay, let, let me ask you this. Let me, my, my big question when I look at the, t- the final table for this season is what shocks you more? That the only team in the EPL to lose just two games for the entirety of the season, they have two losses, didn't win the EPL, or is it more surprising that a team with a goal differential of minus 37 did not get relegated? (laughs) Oh, definitely. Definitely the former is more shocking. Um... (laughs) Right now, City and Liverpool, I don't remember the last time we had, like, in my opinion, two of the clearly best teams in the world in the Premier League, right? This is something that we saw in our childhood, right? Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Like, like Fergie days, yep, right? Yep. Fergie and, like, Arsenal, Arsenal like, Invincible. Yeah, like those, exactly, right. Like, yep. those were, like, you know, the days when we would think um, unanimous two best teams in the world yep. in the EPL. Yep. And we have we probably haven't felt that way about European football until this season. Um, you always had Bayern Munich in the mix, you know, in recent years. This year, I think it's clearly, you know, Man City, Liverpool are like, you know, it, it, it took a it took a veteran, you know, balls of steel, Real Madrid like 
performance to take down, barely take down Man City. And Real Madrid were on one, like in that entire, you know, Champions League semifinal, right? Yep. It seen, it's to me, you know, on, a, on any given day, if I'm given, if I have to take the two best teams, I take these two, City and Liverpool. And Liverpool in any other season, I believe are champions. Um, I think that's definitely more surprising to me. A team that loses twice, um, yeah, missing out on the, missing out on the. I mean, it thing. it also speaks to, so I think I think we've had dominant teams in the top two, top three before. Like you 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 already mentioned United Arsenal, and then we had the United Arsenal Chelsea days, right? And the United Chelsea era for, uh, like late two thousands, for instance, um, for for a little while there. So like we we've, we've had those dominant teams. It's just that. In the same era, we had dominant Real Madrid, Barcelona, um, and then sometimes, sometimes we had a German team in there. Sometimes we had a French team in there, and sometimes we had Italian teams up there too, um, who were also just extremely dominant. But this season, and maybe even last season, you could argue that you know, despite the fact that Real are in the Champions League final this year, um, like they came up as underdogs, right? And what what is the last time that Real Madrid was were ever considered underdogs? Um, like I feel like it hasn't been not like never in Ronaldo's yeah you know, exactly. tenure. Not, not that's since sure. I actually yeah. paid attention to to soccer. That has, has that ever happened? Yeah. Uh, and then you know, like Barcelona is is not the same club, obviously that they they, they have been with with Messi, and so. Um, as those two, as Ronaldo and Messi have departed La Liga, the the global ecosystem of, of soccer, I feel like, has changed. And a lot of the weight has shifted to to the EPL and, and, and especially to Manchester City and Liverpool, um, where now you really feel like they could be the two best teams in the world at any given point in time. Yeah. Yeah, no, the, it was so clear, like, you know, how dominant, you know, they were this season. And, um, I mean, no shame in Liverpool. I mean, they still have a shot at a treble, right? So um, their season is still very, very good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. City, I feel, I feel, I mean, I, I like Liverpool better as a club because it's not, you know, it's not funded by oil. <laughs> but, but at the same time, I feel like, it like objectively, it, it would be truly a shame if a team as good as City were this year came out empty-handed. Yeah, um, I agree. I... Um, so them winning the Premier League, I mean, I think I don't want to say they deserve it because I really don't like that team, <laughs> but but it almost seems like you know, um, you know, it it would be kind of it would be really tragic and you know painful if you're if you're a City fan. I mean, if if city fans even exist, but um, I, yeah, I, I think that I don't have any problems city with fans how this exist really in the unfolded. same way that Miami Heat fans existed when LeBron first went to Miami. True. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but yeah, True. Um, yeah, I, I think that's hype. So let, let's go to the bottom of the table and and talk about what happened mm. there because uh, there there was if. if if we um if we avoided a tragedy at the top of the table, we did not avoid one at the bottom. 
man. I, I got to say, I wasn't watching those games because as soon as Everton survived, I'm like, ah, oh, this doesn't mean anything to me anymore. <laughs> it's just kind of like, you know, <laughs> like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. But, but I watched the highlights and man, that Leeds game was, I, I, I'm kind of happy for them. Uh, you know, I, 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 you know, last week we both said we thought Burnley deserved to stay up. Um, they've historically been a more challenging team for even top six teams to, you know, scrap three points against. Um, but based on that performance, you know, that Leeds had in, in the final game, they really deserved it. You know, um, James Harrison, of course, with the final goal um, all throughout the game, like, you know, they, they put in their like heart and soul into that game with Burnley. They had their chances. Uh, Vegors, the new signing, had a, a golden chance. I mean, all he had to do was get a little bit more contact yeah. on the cross, and that would have, you know, gotten the job done, right? But, um, yeah, it, you know, when, the, when they got their chances, Burnley were not able to, you know, um, take advantage of them. And so I think it's a fair result. I think, I think um, you know, maybe Burnley is, like, you know, with the goal differential of nine, negative 19, right? It's, like, it's better than, you know like better than a lot of their peers, you know, around that table. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you kind of have to come through in those clutch moments and they weren't able to do it. I think, I think it just gives, it just makes my, my stomach ache that a team that gave away 79 goals, that's over two goals a game. They gave up over two goals a game and they're not relegated. Like that, that just makes my stomach ache. But, how? <laughs> you just, you... How? I mean, because, I mean, like, you know, this is a team that, like, you know, like you said, concedes a lot, but they have just enough talent to score in critical moments to pull off dramatic wins. I mean, they've had it. Like, their their season has been probably the most roller coaster season really? out of any team in this, you know, league this year. Um, and, and, and to be fair to Leeds, to be fair to Leeds, if you look at like their overall season and, um, kind of where they were in the positioning on, in the table compared to Burnley, Leeds has been in an overall better position in the table or over the course of a season compared to Burnley. Like they were in 15th for a while. Um, and then, and then 16th and they didn't really like drop down into that into that real relegation trouble until like just the last few weeks uh while burnley has been pretty consistently in that 18th spot for the vast majority of the season um so if you think about it that way like you have to give him credit to leads there yeah yeah um yeah and at the end of the day right leads i think they they had it's a team that has bigger names um, than Burnley. Yeah, yeah. Um, Calvin Phillips, Rafinha. Um, they have bigger names than Burnley. Um, so at the end of the day, you know, you could argue that their quality is better. Elon Melli, I think, is a great goalkeeper. I'm like, it, as a Spurs fan, I'm interested in getting a guy like him to be the heir to uh, Lloris. So um, they have quality, like in some areas, it's just that they're extremely lacking in others. That's the yeah. problem. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we'll, we'll see. I think Leeds is, Leeds has definitely got their work cut out, um, you know, next year. Cause you know, Scott Parker is coming back with Fulham and the boys, right. Bournemouth's coming up. Like, you know, it, it's, it's gonna not going to be easy for them. It'll be fun. All It'll right. be fun. And let's finally talk about man, 
Top four. <laughs> top four. And not only top four, I mean, this This is something that, that, that you'll also be able to rejoice in, is the fact that, you oh. know, our boy, our countryman's son, put nets in two goals to win the golden boot. You know, I... I think we could both get behind that, right? I mean, that of that course. is that was a beautiful moment. The that entire is country moment. of Korea was, you know, leaping up in the air when he scored that second goal, and um, and and then he was, you know, in position to to tie for the golden boot. So yeah, it's uh, I don't like Tottenham, but you know, a Korean man getting golden boot, I can get behind that. I can get. Behind yeah, and uh, and he did it in like that second goal was just in spectacular. That's just like a fashion. classic. Yeah, that's a that's a classic Sun goal, right from the left, cut inside, yes. right foot, curl it in. That is just so. It really is. I don't even want to say vintage Sun because he does that like week in week out. Yeah, so it's like, that's just what he does. Yeah, that's just yeah. like what he does at this I point. Agree. Um, it was done in spectacular fashion. Five nothing. Again, I've said it before. Spurs have been the more deserving team. A Conte-led Spurs, not a Nuno-led Spurs, a Conte-led Spurs have, ever since Conte came in, table-wise, Spurs are the third best team in the Premier League. Even better than Chelsea, based on the points. Um, ever since Conte came in and started managing this team. And, and mind you, this Spurs team was in ninth or 10th when he first came in. This was a team, this was a squad where, you know, we looked at this, we looked at the talent on paper and they said, and we were wondering, there is no way this team should be a 10th or 9th. Not with Son and Kane up top. There's no way. And Conte, you know, proved that and he turned this team around and is it is a professional team that, you know, finished with, I think he, I think we ended the season with three clean sheets. Um, you know, it, it's such a world of difference, you know, at the back to conceding less goals, being clinical up front, of course. But, you know, the stability at the back and just playing a very professional game that is not, you know, uh, prone to, you know, implosions, you know, later throughout the game. And so uh, they're just more professional. They're ready for it. Um, and all in all, I think it was just a, it was it was not always an inspiring. Um, it was it was a season that wasn't always inspiring at times, but it, I think it was an enjoyable one. And I think it's a it's a good sign. And of course, you know, Spurs have uh the the ownership has uh there there's very uh there's very credible sources uh sharing that ownership has uh pledged to put in 150 million pounds into the uh uh it, it, for for transfer fees uh this uh upcoming summer so that's going to be very good opportunity for growth so very exciting times ahead uh for spurs nice fun i mean yeah good season by them yeah, it was a good season. Um, let's just uh, end off by um, you know talking about a league that we we don't really. I don't oh, think wait, we ever wait, talked about. Wait, 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 wait! Before this, before this, before this, we have to talk about, or I have to very briefly mention how Manchester United fucking shit the bed and were fucking bailed <laughs> out by West Ham also shitting the bed. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's a perfect end to the fight for Europa League. Like for both of those teams, this, that was the perfect end to their season. Just like, and it summed up both of their seasons, right? Like, holy shit! How do you even do this at Manchester United? One nil to Crystal Palace. Not even a point. You couldn't even you couldn't even manage a, a single point. And then West Ham goes ahead and says, "Oh, hold my beer." 
Three, <laughs> three, one to Brian. Oh my Jesus Christ, Mike. Oh my. All right, let's move on. I'm done. I'm fucking done. I mean, granted, Brighton have had a, like a pretty good end to the season. They were playing pretty well. They, they were, got they some were, wins. They, they got they some results, man. They were, but you but, know, I think Grant Potter is an excellent coach. Three-one in the final game where you can still make Europa. Yeah, I, I, that's not. Yeah. Yeah. Not a good look. Nope. They're just. Uh, they should be very happy the Conference League exists. Speaking of which, Jose Mourinho. You know, showing his vintage self. You know, we all thought after Spurs, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, Jose, you can't win all of them. Um, But Jose says, yes, you're right. I can't win all of them, especially when I'm at Spurs. But on any other team, I sure can. And he came through with Roma uh, in the final match against uh, Feyenoord. And it's just a classic Mourinho game. You know, go up 1-0 in the first half and just, you know. Sit there. Professional, <laughs> defensive, and yeah, and it's he tried to do it at Tottenham, and it didn't work out because just the defensive quality wasn't there. Yeah, but exactly. hey, he goes yeah. to Roma, and 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 he says that hey, if I just have like you know good enough quality at the back, these are the results that I can show off, and it's and it's one one nothing final. I was like it's so Mourinho, right? So Mourinho, uh, just gets a goal, and he it just really he is. just plays maturely, pragmatically, and. Uh, but, you know, I just thought I'd, well, we had to give a shout out to that. I like Mourinho. I know he didn't have a very good, like, result. I mean, I, I don't know what you think about Mourinho, but, like, because we also had a similar situation, right? Like, just underwhelming in terms of what we were able to get with him. But I don't dislike him, and I think he's a very good character for the game, to be honest. I um, think Mourinho is good, actually. Like, I'm pretty sure we got second with him. Second or third? I'm pretty sure we got second. In the EPL, you got second, Europa, and we won Europa. won Europa. Yeah, and we won Europa on like a fucking dysfunctional team. Like you, you've seen how our team looks without Mourinho, so that tells you how fucking good Mourinho is. Well, I think Sanha, like uh, time has been friendly to Mourinho's tenure. That's for sure. Right? Uh, that's true. That's true. But okay, let, let me tell you a hilarious thing that Mourinho said, though. Quote. The great thing about my career is that aside from the Europa League with Manchester United, doing it with Porto Inter Roma is very, very, very special. <laughs> Everything except the Europa win with United. <laughs> that tells you. And you know what's. What? What? No, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. That's how point. shitty our fucking club is, man. When this guy fucking like. Let me let me say all of my other accomplishments were very, very, very special. But fuck this one club. I won Europa with this club, but fuck that club. Holy shit. I think he just hates Pogba, dude. <laughs> I think he hates Pogba and <laughs> he hates Pogba and Luke Shaw. <laughs> but um Oh my god, whatever. I I I'm done. <laughs> But but hey, I noticed he's well. For, I mean, obviously, this is the first you know rendition of the Conference League. But he's the first manager to win the Champions League, Europa League, and the Conference yep, League. Yep, never. And before. he probably will be for for the very very long future. I think. Also, never done before because once you're a manager who wins the Champions League, you don't go to the 
fucking conference league, but you know. Just saying. I mean I'm just saying. I'm I, just saying. Let hey, let's just look at let, let's just look at where Klopp is in 30 years. <laughs> he's like when he's barely he can't even stand up in the he can't even stand up to the touchline. He's just coaching from the chair, kind of like Roy Hodgson at Rodford now. <laughs> like just pulling up, pulling up, got his aviators on. Like, oh my god. When I saw those last couple games from Watford with Roy Hodgson, I'm like, dude, this guy's just here getting his check. Like, so funny. All right, I need I need to shit on United one more time, one more time. All right, so ESPN did their best and worst eleven of this season uh, for for the EPL. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll shout out. I'll oh, shout this out, is gonna be good. I'll shout out your boys in the in the in the in the best in the best eleven. Harry Kane. Stoneham Min is uh, three out of the or two out of the three attackers um, on that on this list. Really, Kane made it to uh, I yeah, guess. He, made, he made it to the best. Yeah. Um, in the worst, uh, the number of United players on this fucking list. Out of the four defenders, really? Out of the four defenders, three are United defenders: Aaron Juan Bissaka, Harry Maguire, Rafael Varane. I don't think Varane deserves this, but fair enough. Out of the three midfielders, two of them are united. Paul Pogba, Bruno Fernandes. <laughs> and out of the three attackers, one of them is united. Marcus Bradford. <laughs> Holy shit. We just, like, we're half of this fucking list. Okay, I mean, okay. I mean, let's, let's be honest. Like, <laughs> I think they're just, they're, they're, they're purposely just trying to troll United to get, like, traction. Because, come on. United, they, United is horrible, but they're not getting relegated. Come on, you know, like, like, let's no, be real. But that's why they're so bad. I think this is like, it's, it's like the, it's the, you're measuring the, uh, the amount of disappointment in your players. Oh, you know, okay, you know, yeah, okay. Then it makes sense. I was thinking like objectively worst players. I'm like, come on, like the only United players that's like actually like the worst in the league. I'm okay, Maguire. Like, <laughs> no, no, this is just like the most disappointing <laughs> okay. fucking players. Yeah, yeah. You then then you're gonna find you're gonna expect to find a lot of United players because United was a like you know arguably one of the most disappointing teams, right? You're gonna find a lot of Everton players there too. I'd imagine. Surprisingly, not so. Uh, a couple Chelsea players here. Actually, a few Chelsea players here. Um, Lukaku, Conte, and their and their keeper. Yeah, Lukaku's got to be in there. Yeah. Um, there. But in any case, um, I just wanted to show United one more time here before we. Before that's we so funny. On. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that that's that's yeah, that's obviously the right way to do a worst eleven. You gotta like, yeah, you gotta get yeah, like you know the it, you gotta it, get some of the. You gotta get the big name. If you do an actual worst eleven, it's just like the relegation team. So like that's no fun. Exactly, which is like you know you're gonna get like Josh Sargent. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) something crazy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like you get shit like that instead of you know just all Manchester (laughs) United players. Tim Cruel, yeah. Okay. Um, Tim Cruel. yeah, but before we end the show, uh, let's talk briefly about you know what's been going on with with the MLB. So Josh Donaldson, um, suspended. One for one game for calling Tim Anderson Jackie, what? and this was this this was a comment that led to the benches clearing. And the MLB's official statement is MLB is as follows: 
MLB has completed the process of speaking to the individuals involved in this incident. There is no dispute over what was said on the field. Mm-hmm. Regardless of Mr. Donaldson's intent, the comment he directed towards Mr. Anderson was disrespectful and in poor judgment, particularly when viewed in context of their prior inter- interactions. In addition, Mr. Donaldson's remark was a contributing factor in a bench-clearing incident between the teams and warrants discipline. And so this is what I found interesting about that statement. It almost seems like based on how that was phrased, the one-day suspension isn't for the comment, but for the fact that the comment escalated into benches clearing. And that was what triggered the one-day suspension. But of course, like, you know, I think they made it ambiguous on purpose because they kind of knew, I think, maybe the comment itself didn't really have grounds for suspension. Um, Well, and they have to, they have to, they have to say it that way, because if they don't, if they don't say it that way and it becomes about the comment itself, then that means that for any other comment that could even have a hint of like, racial tension or like racially charged like any any like meaning like they have to they have to give out a suspension and there's no way in hell that the mlb is ready to do that or prepared to do that so they like they have to make a statement that's exactly yeah yeah exactly they had no choice exactly and 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 why are they doing this and they all know deep down that the comment itself probably didn't deserve a suspension i mean what are your thoughts on on the decision and the situation like learning more about who josh donaldson is as a human being and him just being an absolute asshole he was probably to speak <laughs> like he, he 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 was more likely than not just being a dick face um <clears throat> which is totally within his character and you know but we need to make it this the, this, this, the distinction sonha was he being a dick face or was he being a racist he was being a dick face like, may, were there maybe hints of racial undertones? Maybe, but it's not like I can't say definitively in good conscience that he was being racist uh, with this comment, especially because in 2019, the the man on the other side of the comment literally proclaimed himself as the Jackie Robinson of the MLB. So like. Like, it's, it, like, if he, <clears throat> here's the thing, here's the thing, it's hard to say, like, but if he had called himself, like, any other player of the MLB, like, if he had called himself, I don't think anyone called himself, like, the Barry Bonds, but, like, um, who, who else would you call yourself? Anyway, like, let's just put, like, X player. Like, I'm the X player of the MLB, like, the next X player of the MLB. And then Josh Donaldson would probably have just called him that, right? More likely than not. Like, like if, if the comparison was as ridiculous yeah, as the one yeah, that he made yeah, to himself yeah. with Jackie Robinson. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, like, he would have probably also called him that, that instead, right? Um, exactly. So, like, I, I, I lean towards him being more of a dick than a racist um but like that that that's that's why this 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 uh whole story is getting so much traction and so much attention right because it could be construed if you kind of represent the facts in 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 a certain sort of way 
as him being a racist. But but I, I think it's telling. I think it's telling that no one is straight out coming forth and calling him a racist because I think people understand that there is nuance to this and that more likely than not he was just being a dick. Yeah. Um, here's the thing: is that I mean. It makes sense from the standpoint, right, that Tim Anderson is a black, you know, he's an African-American player in today's age. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, that's about where the similarities end. <laughs> that's about <laughs> as far as the similarities go. Because people forget, right? People, people, I mean, I think everybody knows, right? Jackie Robinson was the first, you know, player to come from the Negro Leagues into, you know, in, into the major leagues and that was such a momentous you know undertaking yeah but people don't talk and think you know and perhaps rightly so because that that the moment of him entering you know the major leagues was such a big thing you know it was bigger than baseball and bigger than you know whatever stats that he probably would produce yeah. but people don't maybe talk about the fact that um jackie robinson was an mvp player in his own right yeah um yeah. tim anderson i mean here's a saving grace Tim Anderson, fortunately, that that year when he proclaimed himself to be the next Jackie Robinson, he played 120 games. So he played, he did a LeBron James, games, yeah. uh, 75% of the season. Yeah, yeah. And then he got the batting title. He hit for the highest average in the league. That was, if he hadn't had that going, his statement would have looked even more goofy. But as far as accolades go, that is probably the biggest honor he has ha ever had in his career is getting a batting title off of a 120-game season out of and 162. May, and may ever have. Right. I, I don't see, like, he's 29 years old. He is, what you see is what you get, right? Um, especially for, uh, for a player that, you know, relies on, you know, uh, contact. I mean, uh, some athleticism. He is a, he's a guy who's, you know, stole bases, especially when he was in his mid-20s. But um he's not anywhere nearly as good as Jackie Robinson as a player, too. So I don't. Yeah, unfortunately, that's where the similarities, you know, as far as they go. And for that reason, you know what? If I'm trying to trash talk, you know, somebody like, you know, if I have some like if I dig into their history, you know, that's kind of a cringe moment that, you know, you would expect to get like, you know, a little bit roasted. Made fun of, yeah. And yeah. that's what happened. And and here's and here's what I'll say about Josh Donaldson, because, you know, I think I'm not the. I'm not going to be the fairest judge of his character because I have an extremely soft spot for Josh Donaldson. Josh Donaldson put up <laughs> one of the most entertaining periods for me. He was a big part of the most entertaining periods for me. You know, well, uh, it is to my belief that our best days are still ahead of us. But, you know, for this franchise, you know, for a kid growing up, you know, Blue Jays are very mediocre for most of my life. And then in the mid 2010s, you know, when I was in college, Josh Donaldson was a big reason. He wasn't the guy that did the bat flip, but he was a big reason why that team got to the postseason for, you know, the Jose Bautista bat flip, you know, mm -hmm. those kinds of, you know, uh, moments to even happen. And, you know, putting up an MVP season is a big part of that. But you are right. He is, he is, uh, he has a reputation for being an asshole. Yes. But you know what? Damn. Damn hell. When he was on our team, he was our asshole, okay? <laughs> um, yeah, I, yeah, but totally right. Like, like it's, it's just him being an asshole. And, and let's, let's be honest. Like, when it comes to competitive sports, there are always going to be characters like him. 
And we don't see people getting suspensions for that. Yep. This is a very, like, you know, like a very weird situation where, like, you know, the comment taken out of contest is absolutely would have been a huge red flag. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, if it weren't for the 2019 interview, right? Like, let's say that there's like, if it's something totally behind closed doors with no publicity about, you know, the background of why this term might have even come to be, this is, we're looking at, I think, like a much bigger suspension, right? But oh, because yeah. of the fact that I think, you know, everybody, you know, in the, in the field kind of knows the history behind why, you know, what Tim Anderson did in that interview and everything, it's kind of, yeah. you know, I think we all a, know. A much bigger suspension and a much bigger story as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, what did we learn from this uh, incident? Absolutely nothing. Josh Donaldson is an asshole. We learned that Josh Donaldson is an asshole yet again. And and perhaps, I guess, what I learned is that Tim Anderson, once upon a time, said a very cringe thing. Yeah, actually, (laughs) yeah, I didn't know about that, and that came through back to the surface somehow. Yeah. Which maybe was Donaldson's intent in the first place. I mean, if he did, you know... um, (laughs) Which is a fine move from him, if he's like... Let me dig up this suspension <laughs> and bring it back up to the surface again. One game suspension, I'll take it. Yeah, because like let's let's be real. Like if we all knew that this interview took place without Josh Donaldson having to bring it up, we would just be sitting here shitting on Tim Anderson. Yeah. Right? yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, who do you think you are, bro? <laughs> like, so um, this is. Um, yeah, like you're basically calling yourself like what? Like you're you're gonna you're gonna think you're like the Jesus of baseball or something, bro? Like, come on, man! Pretty like, much. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's very cringe. Uh, but I think that you know that that kind of you know breaks down our takes of the situation. Yeah, that covers it. Um, yeah, and, and with that, we could end the we can end the podcast. Um, anything else from you to add? No, I'm good. I'm Gucci. All right. Uh, well. Well, folks, uh, you've been listening to Keep It uh, 111, and we'll talk to you next week. See ya.